not David, but me. Uh, so it says in, in verse 1 of chapter 19, and it was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. So uh, David, uh, just in that place, just regretting all that has happened and, and just uh, crying out, uh, but in a wrong way, uh, at the wrong time. Uh, and it said in the, Joab continues to tell him, remember, Joab is probably not saved. Uh, uh, so for him to come and, and be in this place is, is strange and to be an underling to the king and yet uh, telling him what he should be doing is strange. But sometimes we need those kick in the pants just to get us going again. And it says, in the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard that day how the king uh, was grieved for his son not excited about what had done and of course we can't be excited about the death of someone else but uh, God had his victory God had his way uh, but uh, David just not being in that place of just seeing the fullness of that and so it says and all the people got them uh, by stealth that day into the city imagine they, they come back from a victory they won They've defeated the enemy, uh, and yet they were ashamed to come back into the city. Such a hard place to be and such a wrong thing to be going on. Aren't you glad that one day when we come into to the new Jerusalem, there's going to be no, nothing that's going to make us ashamed? <laughs> it's going to be glorious, uh, and that's the way our hearts should be. As, as we come into God's presence, there should always be a, a glorious victory going on because God has gotten a victory. It isn't us that's done it, it's God that's done it. And so we just constantly rejoice in those things. Uh, in the enemy wanting to take David out, got him at least out of the city, but uh, now looking to get back in. Uh, uh, but the people got them by stealth that day into the city as people being ashamed that steal away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face and the king cried with a loud voice, O oh, my son Absalom, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And Joab came into the house to the king and said, You hast shamed this day the faces of all your servants, which this day have saved your life. <laughs> it kind of puts it in perspective. In uh, the lives of your sons and of your daughters, in the lives of your wives, in the lives of your concubines, in that you lovest your enemies, and hatest your friends. Uh, isn't that sad? Scripture tells us that we're to be in this place of fighting for our homes, fighting for our wives, fighting for our children, fighting for our husbands, and yet David's in that place of crying out for the death of one that has died, uh, not because it was good, but uh, he just crying out in the wrong way. And we've got a whole world right now, if you kind of put it, in the sense of what's going on today, what are the people crying for? They're crying out that Hamas could be saved and, and not dealt with so harshly. Even though they're evil, they've done evil. They, they put out chemical weapons, they're finding out now. They're raping the women and the children. And, and yet the world is crying out for them to be saved and Israel to be punished. Talk about having things upside down. This is upside down. Uh, uh, and ha, when they come to arrest me, 
because this will go out. <laughs> Just know where I am. I'm okay. It's good. Uh, but but the world thinks it's it's wrong that of what they're doing, and. Uh, it's so exciting to see that, that finally Israel is in a place of doing what's right, doing the right thing at the right time. And you wonder if Mr. Netanyahu, we've heard he's had Bible studies in his home. Uh, we've heard he's read the Bible, or at least par portions of it. Uh, and so you just wonder, is he really realizing what's going on and going in the right direction because he's being led? Uh, and I, I pray so, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. So uh, just hang on to it and just watch Israel because we know everything comes from that relationship with the Lord with them. And so uh, Joab uh, just declares then in verse 6, uh, In that thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends, for thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants, for this day I perceived that if Absalom had lived and all we had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. Uh, boy, <laughs> sad. And now therefore arise and go forth and speak comfortably unto your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night. And that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. And then the king arose and sat in the gate, sat in the place uh, of being an elder, of being a leader of the city, uh, not from his throne which, because he's out of Jerusalem, but in the gate of the city, just speaking that, that I am this day a leader and an elder in the city, and I'm here to meet the people, just coming down to their level, not above them, but beside them. And that's the place that we see Jesus. He didn't come as one that was above us. He came as one like us to show us the right way to go. Uh, and so we just rejoice in that. But the king arose, sat in the gate, and they told unto all the people, saying, Behold, the king doth sit in the gate. And all the people came before the king, for Israel had fled every man to his tent. And all the people that were at strife throughout all the tribes of Israel. So we see the picture changing from just the people that were there uh, where he was on the other side of the Jordan now to the, to, to the peoples of Israel. And it says, and all the people were at strife throughout the tribes of Israel. They're at strife because they had the wrong one on the throne. And whenever we have the wrong king on the throne of our hearts and the throne of our lives, there's going to be strife. And we see strife all around us because they have the wrong king on the throne. We're the only ones that can be at real peace because we know the Prince of Peace. And that's the only place where there is going to be real peace is where the right king is on the throne of the hearts of the people. And right now on the throne of the hearts of so many leaders in so many countries and so many people in America because they don't have Jesus on the throne of their heart. And when that happens, there's always going to be strife. There's always confusion, and there's always a disjointedness because the wrong king is on the throne. Uh, and all the people were at strife throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king has saved us out of the hand of our enemies, and he delivered us out of the hand of the Philistines. 
and now he's fled out of the land for Absalom. <laughs> uh, he's, he's in, the king is in the wrong place, and, and we don't know what to do. Uh, just uh, amazing to me. And Absalom, who we have anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why speak ye not a word of bringing the king back? Uh, so there's that strife that's going on inwardly and outwardly. They, they want David to be king, but they, they wanted Absalom for a bit. Because remember, all of Israel was with Absalom. They were for him. They, they were going with him. Uh, all of a sudden, they didn't want David there anymore. And that is so sad when we see godly leaders and all of a sudden the country turns and says, we don't want godly leaders anymore. We want to hear nice things. So speak nicely to us <laughs> instead of telling us the truth. And boy, once the church stops telling the truth, we're in real trouble. And yet we see churches all over that have stopped telling the truth. Instead, the churches are now preaching that you can be any kind of sex that you want to be that you can do whatever you want to do and God is okay with it. And boy, we see the strife that's even in the churches because they don't know what to do. They don't, aren't teaching the truth and they're giving up on the truth for a lie. <clears throat> and that is said. And the accountability doesn't just go to the leaders because it goes to the people too because we're commanded in Scripture that even the common people, even those that, that are just hanging out in the pews, are accountable for their own salvation, for their own walk with the Lord. And, and that means we have to be in a place where we're, we're not only bringing forth the word, but ministering that word to our own hearts in, in a way that would teach us the truth so that when we hear a lie, we can know it and get out of town. Can you imagine if Joseph, when he was in Egypt, had succumbed to, to Potiphar's wife? Because he said, hey, I'm in a strange land. Nobody from, from Israel wants me. Nobody from Israel wants to keep me. I'll just do what the world does. And instead, he stayed true to the word of God and fled from the presence of Potiphar's wife. And boy, we look at it and go, Lord, am I willing to flee when I see that everything is going to come against me if I don't do what the world is doing? Lord, am I willing to take a stand in the days that we're in? And boy, mm, we see all of Israel just at strife because of what's happening. What do we see in America? There's strife all over because the leaders are not godly and not following godly ways, not doing godly things. And we're going to see an end come soon, which means yeah. Jesus is coming. <laughs> so there's good news, bad news. <laughs> but, but the bad news is that how many people aren't going to hear the truth and are going to see the church go and be glad and throw a party because Jesus is no longer in control and the Holy Spirit is no longer ruling and reigning in the earth. Oh, and we see what's going to happen to them. Two-thirds of them are going to die in a seven-year period. How many billions of people are going to die because they don't want to know the truth? And that's sad. That, that hurts. You just look at the people around you, even your own families, and how many just don't want to hear the truth? How many just don't want truth to be known? We can't call it Christmas anymore because it has Christ in it. We have to say happy holidays. 
or, or happy day. <laughs> and for me, it's every day is a happy day. What are you talking about? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we have to change things just so that we can feel better, just so that we can feel good about ourselves when it's not about us to start with, it's about him. We get in the way of so much of what God wants to do. Uh, all the people at strife, it says in verse 10, and Absalom, who we anointed over us, is dead in battle. And look at what they're saying. We anointed this Absalom, and now he's dead. So what do we do? Well, let's bring the king back. Isn't that option number two? Instead of having the right king to start with, who was already there, in worshiping the position that he had, and just worshiping the, the, the greater than David that's going to come, they wanted to get rid of him. Doesn't it just speak of what's going on in America now, in the world? We just want to get rid of Jesus and put somebody else there. Yeah. So now, therefore, why speak ye not a word of bringing back the, the king? <laughs> and King David sent to Zadok and to, to Abiathar, remember these priests that were uh, he had left in Jerusalem uh, to overthrow the council of uh, Absalom and all the others that were going to be there, Ahithophel and all the others, uh, he sent, sent to them, uh, saying, Speak ye unto the elders of Judah, saying, Why are ye the last to bring the king back into his house, seeing the speech of all Israel has come to the king, even to his house? So the, the rest of the tribes are saying, Well, let's bring David back, and yet Judah isn't. And you look and you wonder, but as you look back and see what happened, where did Absalom go when he was anointed king? He went to Hebron, which is part of Judah. Evidently feeling guilty because they had chosen Absalom over David and put him in a place that he shouldn't have been and taking David out of a place that he should have been. Oh. And again... For, for us, sometimes, how often do we put somebody else on the throne of our heart and push Jesus out of the way because we want something more than we want Jesus? And it sounds harsh, but every time we choose something that isn't godly, what we're doing is taking Jesus off the throne and putting something else on the throne. And boy, our hearts aren't settled then. We're at strife. We're at enmity with everything that's going on, and we wonder why. Things are so confused and things are so hard, even in the church, and yet we see how often we just pick and choose who we want on the throne that day. Ugh, so sad. And he says to them in verse 12, You are my brethren, you are my bones and my flesh, wherefore then are ye the last to bring back the king? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? David gets booted out of Jerusalem because the people don't want him anymore. And what is he willing to do? He's willing to come back in and minister to them and speak to their hearts about coming back in. Do you know anybody else that does that? Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Even while we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. We see the same picture of what's going on. Jesus speaking to people's hearts. Why don't you want me? Is there a real reason for why you don't want me? Well, no, we just don't want you. <laughs> we don't want this man to rule over us. <laughs> oh. 
the pictures are just so clear and sometimes you just get so blown away that lord you know our hearts so well you read our thoughts you, you know our very being and we're just like that we can't point fingers at anybody else can we we have to point fingers at ourselves first we have to take care of ourselves and where our hearts are and we look and we go lord i'm just like that that's me absalom looked better he had a better hairline than David. <laughs> Remember when he cut his hair, four pounds of hair a year? I mean, come on, give me a break. The, guy, the guy's super, super nice and sitting in the gate talking to everybody that's coming in and doing all of that stuff and trying to get involved in those things when David was trying to run a whole country and, and watch out for the battles that were coming on and set things up. Uh, and he just got in that place and the people's hearts were ripe for another king that shouldn't have been king. And it was the people's fault. And it's just amazing. Why do we want somebody else to rule over us when God has been so good to us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just amazing to me. And, and yet that's me at times. And don't you feel like that too? That sometimes, Lord, I just, I left you somewhere because I wanted something else. Because I wanted this, I wanted that, I, I wanted to be like this. And Lord, I wasn't getting it there, so I went somewhere else. Oh, help us, Lord, especially in these days to stay strong. Because we're coming to the days where uh, the decision is going to be final. Uh, <coughs> he said, you're my brethren. <laughs> You're, you're, you're my bones, you're my flesh. You think Jesus looked at Jerusalem and looked and saw their attitudes and Jesus wept over Jerusalem? Oh. In verse 13, And say to Amasa, Art thou not of my bone and of my flesh? God do so to me and more also if you be not captain of the host before me continually in the room of Joab. He asked Amasa to come and be in that place. And yet, if you go back just a, a couple of chapters to chapter 17, look at what it says in, in verse 25, just for time's sake. It says, Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab, which Amasa was a man's son whose name was Ithra in Israelite, uh, and so on. But Absalom used him. What is David doing? He's reaching out to bring a man back into the kingdom, to bring a man back and return to the place that he should have been to start with. That's grace. That's grace. Most kings would have seen, you came against me, sayonara, see you later, say your last prayers because you're going home or you're going somewhere. <laughs> and yet David pouring out grace. Doesn't Jesus do the same thing? Because we went under another king, king of self. And yet he came and said, you want to be in my kingdom? You can be a king and a priest in my kingdom. I'll bring you back in. Oh, so gracious of our Lord to do. And David just pouring out the grace that our Lord pours out to us. Uh, so God do so to me and more also if you're not a captain in the place of Joab and he bowed his heart 
the heart of all the men of Judah, even as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word unto the king, Return thou and all thy servants. Come and do that that's there. And isn't it amazing that as they bring David back, isn't it harder the second time to bring Jesus in? Remember the first time when you first got saved, you invited Jesus in. It was just like a no-brainer. Everything was cool and everything was right and it was wonderful. And then you sin and you go back to Jesus in, in probably a big sin. Isn't it harder to come to him and humble yourself before him that time? Because you know better. You know what's right. And, and yet we, we push against him. And it just makes us feel so guilty. These emotions, these feelings get in the way when God's word is so true. If, if you come after me and seek me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then, then I'll bring you in. And yet we have such a hard time going to him. I can't go to Jesus now. I offended him. I sinned against him. I called that man an idiot. Or worse. <laughs> and yet now, he just wants to enter back in. He just wants to come to that place of loving us again. And being in that place of being our leader. Being the one that's king over us. And yet we have a hard time doing it because I can't humble myself again. I can't say I was wrong. <laughs> Husbands especially. The, the biggest thing that we can't say is, I'm wrong. We can say a lot of other things, but saying that we're wrong is just so hard. For people in general, we can't say that we're wrong. That would show a weakness in our lives. And we can't show that we're weak. But Jesus already knows how weak we are. And he says, when you're weak, then I'll be strong. So let your weakness show. Just, just let it be there and, and let him be king. <laughs> so he returns. It, it says uh, in verse 15, The king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal. Uh, to meet the king, to conduct the king over Jordan. And we know what happened to Gilgal. There's where the rolling away, the cutting of the foreskins was. Uh, so, so we realize the importance of that place, that they're coming back and getting rid of their own heart and, and coming back into a place of, of seeing what a real heart looks like. Uh, in Shimei, <laughs> we know Shimei. He was the one that was throwing stones and dusted at the people, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, which was what was of Bahurim, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there was a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him, and they went over Jordan before the king. And there went over a ferry to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan and said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me. <laughs> really? Neither do thou remember uh, that which thy servant did perversely that day that the lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. Don't take it to heart, king. I was just fooling around. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the stone that hit me in the shoulder really hurt, though, Shimmy. I, <laughs> I was just fooling around. I was just messing with you, King. Uh, we know what's going to happen with Shimei later on. He says in verse 20, For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I am come the first this day of, of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. I'm here first in line, so it must be really important for me to, to get before you, king, because I really love you. Mm. Isn't it amazing as we sit there sometimes and try and fool people that we realize we can't fool Jesus. He was trying to fool David into, into thinking that he was okay. It wasn't really anything against David. He says, don't take it to heart. Don't think about it. Just let it go. Let me go and let me be. Mm. Men are so fickle, aren't we? Oh. <laughs> oh. But Abishai, he knows what's going on. So does David, but David's just not saying anything. But Abishai can't keep his mouth shut. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered him and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Didn't he say that on the way out of the city? <laughs> let, let me just take one swipe because it's just going to take one swipe of my sword and he'll be gone. And David says, no, you just don't understand. The Lord might be doing this, and I want to know the Lord's heart. Uh, and he's still doing it. Abishai still hasn't learned. And, and isn't that with, like, just like you and I? Sometimes we go through things a couple, three times, just, just figuring out, well, what is going on? And the Lord's saying, just let me be God and let me take care of this. Not you, but let me do it. And we don't learn. Because the next time it happens, we do the same thing. We yank out the sword and we go, Yahoo, where's Malchus's ear? Because I want to chop this baby off. <laughs> we do the same things. And the Lord says, put away your sword and just watch what I do. Oh, Abishai in that place, just like you and I, a couple of times, three times. How many times before we learn the lesson that the Lord wants to put before us? And just to show us his heart in the midst of it. We have the, we, we certainly have the right attitude because it's the Lord's anointed and, and we want to defend that, but we're doing it in the wrong way. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, <laughs> that you should this day be adversaries unto me? He says, Not only are, are you willing to kill somebody, but you're doing it the wrong way and you're my adversary. But Abishai stuck with him all the way through. He was one of the leaders in the battle. He was one of the ones guarding David. And he was close to him. He's riding right next to him. And yet he didn't know the Lord's heart in the midst of it. Oh, And we can be so close to Jesus sometimes and we don't even know his heart. We can be so close to him we're reading our Bibles. We're going to church. We're Bible studies four days a week. We're, we're doing Bible studies. We're, we're, we're reading. We're praying. We're doing all those things. And yet we don't even know the Lord's heart sometimes because our emotions and our self get in the way of what God is trying to do. 
don't think that you're so close to Jesus that you're not going to sin. That's a dangerous place to be. And it's an even more dangerous place because they just got a victory. And whenever you get a victory, be very, very careful because that's when the enemy comes in like a flood because he knows you're proud. He knows you think you got things together, that you're in a good place now and that nothing can attack you, nothing can hurt you, and he'll be right there just to bring it to you. When we're in victory, when we've had victory over a sin in our lives or we've had a victory with leading somebody to Christ that we've been praying for all these years and we just yahoo and everything's going great, the enemy's right there to take us out because what happens at that point is we're not looking. We're not paying attention to what the enemy is doing. We're paying attention to the victory that we got. Mm. And who got the victory to start with? It was the Lord. <laughs> And yet we put ourselves in the mix. We're so close. Oh, everything's great. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm quoting scriptures to people. I'm telling people about Jesus. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. Everything is good. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Goodbye, sayonara. See you later. Uh, we'll pick you up off the floor in a while. And aren't you glad with that proverb that says, if you fall seven times, the Lord will pick you up? Amen. How many times have we fallen in our pride and the Lord picks us up? Is it more like 70 times seven? <laughs> aren't you glad for that scripture? <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Because <laughs> uh, you forgive me that many times and more so. Ah. Uh. He said, this day you're an adversary unto me. Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel. I'm in a place where I'm doing all right, where things are good. But, but, and I know that I'm king, but God has put me there. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 9, interesting scripture. Because uh, we think those things just happened in the Old Testament. But, but in, in Luke chapter 9, it says this. Uh, James and John, they're in this place. Uh, and they say in verse 49 of that chapter, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus say unto him, Forbade him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and they entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he should go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will you that we should that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did. We read the Old Testament. We heard the, the stories. And we've got the same spirit as, Eliah, as Elias. Let's call down fire from heaven and consume people. I know none of you do that till you get on the expressway. And then you're praying it all the way home. <laughs> And he turned to them and rebuked them. And listen to what he says, because it's the same thing that we're seeing here with David. 
he turned and rebuked them and said, you not, know not what manner of spirit you are. You don't know the spirit that you're listening to. Be careful of where you are. Oh, Lord, help our hearts, because we're all prone to it. There's not one thing out there that we see going on that you and I would not do, given the right circumstances, given the right events. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We don't even know them. And we could be doing the same things that the people in the world are doing. We shake our fist at them and say, you dummies, don't you know any better? And yet we're the dummies because we do know better, and we still do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all that, are we? But one day we're going to be all that because we're going to be before him and have the mind of Christ. Can you imagine? We won't have to deal with sin. won't have to deal with, with those issues that are there. won't have to deal with the hearts that, that are given over to self. We'll be free from that to be just before him and worshiping our king. That's going to be a glorious day. But for now, while we're here, stay alert. It's high time that we awake out of our sleep, Scripture says. Huh? <laughs> it's high time for us to wake out of that sleep too. So uh, he, he says, uh, what have I to do with you? Uh, you're an adversary to me. Uh, and he says, therefore, in verse 23, therefore the king said unto Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore unto him. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Shimei was such that he didn't believe David. He had to swear to him. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. My son will, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, therefore the king said unto Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore unto him. And then Mephibosheth, and we remember him, Jonathan's son, uh, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. Mourning as it were, looking like he was mourning. Uh, and shouldn't that be us, that we're mourning that Jesus hasn't come back yet? We're in that place where things are in that place that we want Jesus to come back so bad and get things right in this world and get us right. That, that we're mourning over that, that he hasn't come yet, that he hasn't come to get us. And, and sometimes I just sit there, we, we just got the, uh, the uh, funeral service, uh, somebody left it for us here, which was a, a real blessing for, for Uncle Tony uh, from Rochester. And uh, boy, sometimes you just sit there and go, ah. You know, it really would be good to be home right now. <laughs> oh, and, and you just mourn over it that, that we aren't there yet. Lord, please come quickly. But until then, we need to occupy with, with what he's given us. And so uh, Mephibosheth, just showing this place of mourning that, that his king wasn't there. Absalom was not his king. David was his king, and he hadn't uh, dressed his feet, trimmed his beard, washed his clothes. Boy, what a mess that is, and yet he's coming to see David. <laughs> and notice David doesn't say, get away from me, you stink. <laughs> uh, 
And it came to pass that when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go and see the king, because the servant is lame. And it, he has slandered thy servant to the lord the king. But my lord the king is, a, is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in your eyes. Do you hear this man's heart? This is amazing to me. It says, do whatever you want to with me, and it's okay. You're back. You're in the place that you're supposed to be. So do whatever you need to do with me because it's going to be all right with me because I know you're in your rightful place now. Oh, that's a heart that's just given over to whatever God's will is that is going to happen and it's okay. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord, the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at your own table. I had every right to be killed, and yet you sat me down at your own table. Remind you of somebody? Remind you of what's going to happen with us while we are enemies of God, and yet we're, one day we're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he's going to take off his robes and serve us? Oh, that's our king. What right, therefore, have I yet to cry any more to the king? <laughs> In spite of losing everything, I will still praise you. Uh, there's a scripture. I love this scripture. It's Jeremiah, or not Jeremiah, Habakkuk 3, uh, 17. And he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive tree shall fail, and the fields shall yet yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If I have absolutely nothing, if everything is taken away from me, I'm still going to rejoice in you, Lord. Because I know you're still king. I know you're still good. I know you're still God. And I'm going to trust you even if I have absolutely nothing. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to have. Nothing to give. I'm going to still give you glory. I'm going to rejoice. Oh. And you look, and I read this, and I read it a lot because I have to keep being reminded, would I do that if I lost everything? Oh, and you hear of people doing that, and you just, Lord, they must have such a deep place in their relationship with you that even in the hurtful times, even in the hard times, they still rejoice in you. That's a great place to be because you're content, you're at peace, you have joy in the midst of the very hardest of circumstances. Uh, and he finishes up and he says, the Lord God is my strength. He is my strength in all those things and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. He's gonna lift me up to the top of places to walk in those places and not under everything else in the world that the enemy wants to pour upon me. <clears throat> so back here in, in, in with David, uh, uh, Mephibosheth just kind of says, do whatever you want to, king, because you have every right to do it. 
And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of the matters I have said that you and Ziba divide the land? And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take it all, for as much as my lord the king has come again in peace unto his own house. And only a person who is happy and content with the person that's in front of him can sit there and say, Let them have everything. I don't need anything. I've got a relationship with you. Oh. When your heart can say that, you know what the Lord can do in your life. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in Barzillai, so we come to another uh, uh, person that, that's been in David's life. The Gileadite came down from Rogalim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Uh, and Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. Which scares me because I'm getting close. It's just like, not only is he old, he's very aged. And it's just like, really? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not feeling it yet. Don't, don't let me get, get there here, Lord. Uh, uh, and he has provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim. Uh, for he is a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing? <laughs> my taste buds are gone. My hearing's gone. My hair's gone. <laughs> uh, kind of looks like us. I don't know. <laughs> huh? <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, uh, <laughs> Can I hear the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto the Lord the King? Mm. And aren't you glad that we never become a burden to Jesus if we're walking with him? We will never become a burden to him. Mm. We can't put our, our feelings and our descriptions on our Lord who's so much different than we are. What do we say to our kids? I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I don't want to be a burden to you. And we I've heard that from my parents. I just want to be left alone. I don't want to be a burden to you guys. I don't want to have to be in your house anymore. Oh. And we say that, but to Jesus we never become a burden. To the world we become a burden, and we're seeing that, aren't we? And what does the world do with burdens? They get rid of them. They get rid of them. And we see more and more countries adopting the practice of euthanasia. They're getting rid of their old people. They're getting rid of those that are handicapped because they're not uh, providing for the society. So let's just get rid of them because now they're a burden. Oh boy, babies become a burden. And now we're getting rid of babies. 63, 65 million babies have been killed since Roe versus Wade. You realize how many babies are in heaven? And we're going to see them. 
<laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious with him when the world is not gracious at all. But our Jesus is so much different than the world. Don't equate man's attributes with God because they're not the same. God's ways are so much different than ours. And he said, your servant will go over a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king rec recompense it with me as such a reward? I don't deserve all of this. Let your servant, I pray thee, turn back, that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant Chinham, or Chimham, uh, th this man who is there with him, let him go over with my lord the king, and to him, uh, and do to him what seems good unto thee. And it's amazing to me is, uh, and you might want to write this scripture down. Want to have you turn there? But in Jeremiah forty-one, uh, verse seventeen, uh, it says this: uh, and they departed, and they dwelt in the habitation of Chimham. Way in Jeremiah, it says they dwelt in the, in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem. So he had this place, and years and years later, we see the name come up again in Scripture. And it's because he stayed with David, he was faithful to stay in that place, and he stayed near him. He stayed in Bethlehem, which is not far away from Jerusalem, and he had a habitation there, which means he stayed there. It wasn't just a quick vacation spot and then he went back to dad or, or back to uh, his leader, Barzillai. He stayed, he had his abode, he dwelt in that place because he knew the place of the king and he knew the place that he was supposed to go to and he did what he was supposed to do. Isn't it amazing? We don't read about any wonderful exploits that he did, but he stayed in the place that he was told to. Mm. And did you ever wonder what God counts faithful? I think that was faithful because he mentions his name again as being faithful, dwelling in the place he was supposed to be and stayed there. That's faithful. And that's hard for people to do because we don't like to stay in a place for a long time, do we? We have to keep moving around. We have to have different hobbies and the older we get, the different the hobbies. The hobbies for old people are looking out the window to see if the, the day is still there. <laughs> is the world still out there? Okay, good. I'm good for the day. That's it. I'm going back to TV and back to bed. <laughs> I had one guy. I had one guy write me the other night. We we saw him at a concert that our granddaughter had. Uh, and I hadn't seen him in, in a few years, and, and we got to hug and, and share just a bit. And I wrote him afterwards and said it was so good to see him. Uh, and he, he said, it was, it was really good to see you too. My wife and I were just talking about it, how good it was to see you guys. And, and then he goes, now go back to your chair and go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, you know me. <laughs> You sit down in a chair, you go to sleep. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Once you stop moving, you're asleep. Uh, but this man was faithful. And God mentions it. What does he say about our faithfulness? Lord, have I been faithful to walk in you and stay in the place that you put me in until you've called me out? Lord, help me to be faithful, even in the smallest of things. No big exploits, 
just faithful to stay. Nothing else said. And it's just so amazing and so encouraging because, Lord, even the smallest of things you see and you reward for us being faithful in those places. <laughs> this man, Chinham, uh, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what seems good unto thee and the king answered chimham shall go over with me and i will do to him that which seems good unto thee and whatsoever you shall require of me that will i do for thee and the people went over the jordan and when the king was come over the king kissed barzillai and kissed and blessed him and he returned to his own place and then the king went on to gilgal and chimham went on with him and all the people of judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. <laughs> and peace is soon followed by strife again, isn't it? <laughs> we don't stay in peace long, do we? Uh, and behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away? <laughs> when did they steal him? <laughs> Just amazing. It, the thoughts that we get, because we're not in a prominent place. Ah, they want to be prominent. They want to be seen. They want to be known. And because they weren't, they have to. They have to say something about somebody else. And, and usually, it's somebody else in the church, right? Ah, you stole him away, and you brought. You brought the king and his household and all of David's men with him over Jordan, and we didn't get to do it. Can you just picture? They're sitting on the floor, kicking their feet on the floor, whining and crying all the way through. Meh, I didn't get to do it. <laughs> Throw yourself on the floor of the store just to make a scene, just so that everybody notices that, that you got a right to be seen. <laughs> oh my goodness. And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, because the king is near of kin to us. Wherefore then ye be angry with us for this matter? Have we eaten all of the king's cost? Or has he given us any gift? <laughs> we haven't gotten anything out of it. So, so what are you upset about? Oh, and we, we will get upset over the littlest of things, won't we? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts in the king, and we also have more right in David than you. <laughs> uh, and I know you're laughing because you know yourself. <laughs> uh, did you see the pastor? He didn't even say hi to me today when I was in church. What is wrong with him? <laughs> ha. And first you say you're gracious, and you say, well, maybe he didn't feel good. Nah, he felt good. It was just, he was just mean to me. <laughs> Can you imagine what we do to Jesus? Oh, Lord, you allowed that to happen. And you didn't even tell me it was coming. I said, yes, I did. You just weren't paying attention. Hello. Because I warned you about everything. Ah. So the men of Israel <laughs> uh, answered to the men of Judah, We have ten parts in the king, and we also have more right in David than you, and why then do you, did you despise us? Uh, they're talking to brothers. 
<laughs> Why are you despising us? Why are you making us look bad? That our advice should not be first in bringing back our king. And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Do you hear what's going on? You yell, and I'm going to yell louder than you are. Because <laughs> that's what we do, don't we? If somebody yells at us, we yell back and we yell louder just so that they know that we have the authority to yell louder than they do. <laughs> just, oh my goodness. <laughs> we are so sad. Uh, and don't you just realize that we don't understand. We really don't understand. Just like the scripture says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. And, and what's that really saying to them? You don't know what you're doing right now because you're not looking at me. You're wanting us to do something in your life, but you really don't understand the spirit that's behind it. And the Lord isn't saying that to condemn James and John. He wasn't saying it to kick them out of the kingdom and say, well, you blew it, you're done. He was saying it so that they could have the right heart and walk in the right spirit. And for us, that, that's such an important thing. We need to know what's going on. And right now, all of the world is saying, Israel is rotten, Israel is wrong. And, and yet Jesus is telling us that he's ordained Israel to be there and we're to keep our eyes on Israel and he's not going to take them out of the land again and he's going to minister to them and he's going to fight their battles and we say but Lord we're your church why aren't you paying attention to us <laughs> so we'll be against Israel and you know how much of the so-called church in America is against Israel we've replaced Israel so they no longer have any right. We have all the rights of Israel. Don't we just sound just like the other 10 tribes yelling at Judah? We're doing the same exact thing. We never learn, do we? <laughs> but we don't learn because we're not putting ourselves before the Lord. <clears throat> and the only reason I can say that is because I know me. Lord, you're not first. I want my feelings known. I, I want me to be pampered. I, I want my way to be right and not anybody else's. Lord, I want to be it. Oh, And he says, will you just get out of the way, Odell, and just sit down and be quiet for a while. And you're saying amen. I know. <laughs> so, Father, uh, thank you, Lord, that all of your word is here to give us instruction, to give us admonition, to rebuke us if necessary, to confirm us if necessary, to speak to our hearts in that way that would draw us ever closer to you. We not only want to know your ways, we want to know why those ways are coming, Lord. We want to know your heart behind it. And Father, uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. But Father, we know that it's going to cost us everything because it's, it's going to mean for us that we have to die to self so that you can be known. And Lord, uh, down deep we desire that, the natural man fighting against it. We know there's a battle going on. 
a battle going on between flesh and spirit. And Lord, we want your spirit to win. So have your way in, in our hearts, in our lives, Lord, that you would be known more and more by us. And as we know you better, we're going to represent you better and the world is going to know you better, Lord. So help us in it to be willing to die to self for those around us, that we be willing vessels to die so that somebody else could see Jesus and live. Father, have your way with us. We just love you. We thank you. We thank you for this time of year. Lord, be glorified in it, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.